0: This is AI Podcast not artificial intelligence a- agency intelligence our team's going to be 10 times stronger than all the other teams a platform for agents when people think of niche marketing they're thinking so small scale in real life agencies sharing their thoughts all you need to do is get in front of more people to transform an industry better coverages uh, better pricing better everything real the difference between givers takers and matchers agents I guess I took a slight different path coming to the agency. I know a lot of agencies. You can partner your clients with those companies that are looking for that specific target market. This is AI podcast. Are you ready? I am. Let's go. Hello, everybody, once again, and welcome to Agency Intelligence, where you're going to get the real agency intelligence and not the artificial that everybody else wants to make you believe in this industry. That's why you show up to this podcast, and I am appreciative of of you being here. Today, we got a fantastic guest. I can't wait to deliver him to the platform because he is somebody. He is the reason why I made this podcast, is to give people like this dude, a voice so that he can amplify and help us push this industry forward. And so, in the meantime, I want to let you guys know I don't know what's really happened over the last like couple of weeks, but you guys have been sending me email. Most of the emails have been saying, Hey, thank you for finally putting back on some podcasts. Yeah, I say you're welcome to all those who had that same gist. I want to let you know that I'm doing all that I can. I'm running an agency, multiple locations. I'm doing a lot with the mastermind. A lot of people say, you know, hey, my access to your brain is through not in this exact words, right? But they say my access to you is through the podcast. And I'm not going to be a salesperson, but I will be. That's kind of why I created the mastermind because I mean that's what we do. The people in the mastermind haven't missed me; they've still seen me just as much. So keep in mind, if you want to join that, you can join. In. It's $99 a month, no, no plus. But I'm answering the emails and saying, hey, I'm glad that I'm there. I want you all to let you know that I will be sending out more consistent on the emails. Last year, I think we did, can't remember now, It was over 80, less than 100. It was somewhere in that range. And only this year, we've only done like 10 to 12. But I bet you before the end of the year, we're almost back to 80 because I got a lot of things to talk about. And when you, there's a lot of things changing in this industry. And that's why we're bringing on here, he's a CTO of a company, but here's what's most important. The reason why he's on agency intelligence is because he's one of us. He's not that artificial thing. Those speakers and consultants that sit out there and say, well, I was in the industry at one time. And that was like at one time was 1995, right? Or one time was was 2010. And, and they'll be like, oh, well, I was selling in 2010, so that's pretty recent. I'm like, 2010, bro. Like most people weren't even on Facebook in 2010. I mean, the world's changed, man. So I want to bring to the table and bring to the platform. That's what it's about.
1: Wesley Anderson, what's up, homie? Dude, I am so excited to be here. A lot of great things happening in the industry right now. You know, got six years doing the uh playing the insurance game and A lot of fun, dude! Really, really excited to be here. And we're gonna get deep into that, like so deep. Put a butt to sleep. Woke her up around
0: one. Hey, (laughs) hey, hey! We all know that that was uh, Ice Cube. Uh, Today was a good day, right? I mean, we all know it. It was proud Jason. Probably not the best clip to pull out of that song, but that's what came up. So here's the thing, Wesley. You ready? You bet. Let's do it. Are you an iPhone or are you a Droid user?
1: Oh, brother, 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 brother! I, my friend, am. Droid all the way with the exception because the previous company I was with made us try and utilize some of those Apple products. I love the the iPad. The device itself is excellent, but my iPad is littered with Chrome. It's littered with all the Droid related stuff, but the actual physical product iPad is superior to other tablets. Everything else I'm Droid all the way.
0: All right. All right. That's good. They see that's why uh... he's He's a man with my own heart. That's how it is. I love, I'm a big droid user. And so what is the game? I mean, do you, do you love to win or do you hate to lose? What is it, Wesley?
1: Excellent question. I think I'm one of those dudes that hates to lose a little more than I love to win. I love the fight of getting knocked down and coming back up with a vengeance, baby. And I think that's why the, the insurance world was, was very appealing to me is because some of that, those guys that have, have been doing it for so, so many years, they're used to just knocking guys down, but they're not seeing them get right back up. So true, I love that. True.
0: So where you are at your time in this life, where you see successful people going from where they were to where they are now, how do you think is the biggest influence? Do you think that that is skill or luck?
1: Dude, I, you, you keep hearing lately uh, a cliche thing right now is uh, authenticity trumps polish. And when you go with skill and luck, I think it's a combo of the two, but I think it's being true to who you are and what you are. If you've got weaknesses, hey, that's okay. If you've got strengths, Mm -hmm. you know, put them out there, you know, let people know what you're good at. It's okay to do that as well. So I think it's a combo of skill and luck. Absolutely.
0: I think it is. I think it is. And I think what sways the scale is what you're, the context of what you're referring it to. So like, and I've used this on other, I said this example on other things, if you're playing craps and you're rolling the dice, yeah, you can have some skill, but let's be honest. I mean, you're rolling dice on the other side of a table. I mean, it's, it's luck, right? I mean, are you, do you have it that day or do you don't? That's just the way that it is. But I think when we're talking about, you know, you designing a huge skyscraper in New York for the test of time. Well, that wasn't so much luck. That was pretty much skill that you've accumulated over the course of time to be able to say, I can create this and design this, right? So one has, doesn't have a barrier over the other. Now, you may have been lucky that you got the opportunity to build the skyscraper but it took skill to build the skyscraper. That's the way that I look at that. Because, you, you know, I ask these questions to all all our people. But I like, as I'm listening to this and I'm recording this and I'm re-listen to it, Wesley, like I think of these questions too. It's so funny. Like I think of them every time myself, except the droid thing. I don't like, yeah, I don't like go back and forth with myself. Like, no, you're a droid user. And that that would be weird, right? That would be weird. <laughs> but so Wesley, tell me, okay, full disclaimer real quick. Wesley and I really had never known each other, never talked. Bro started hitting me up, saying I'm going to BrainShare. Started saying, "Dude, I got this other guy that's going to go to BrainShare." Hey, bro, I got this other guy's going to BrainShare. I mean, you really like brought like five people, which was so awesome, and they weren't even people from your staff; they were just like random people, you know, that you'd tell or they'd tell you. So I was appreciative of that, and I got back and I said, "I got to talk to this guy." We chased each other around because we're both busy, and finally we hit it off, and I think we talked. Like two, three days ago, maybe it was, it was Monday and today's Thursday. Yeah, it was Monday. And ever since then, dude, I mean, what we were on the phone for like two hours and it was just like, things were popping nonstop. And that's when I just said, Wesley, bro, we got to take this conversation. The rest of the world wants
1: to hear what we're talking about right now.
0: And before we get into that though, I just wanted you guys to know that you're, you're getting to meet him as I am.
1: We need to paint that picture as well. It was very similar to Step Brothers. We're going through what we love. We're going through. (laughs) And then it's a a, a stop and a moment of, did we just become best friends? You know, it was (laughs) like, we accelerated super quick. Next thing I know, I'm heading to Cuba with this guy, you know, like I'm all in and that's like a two hours of. Of chatting. So it, it was yes. high intensity. Yes. And we moved at a very accelerated pace. Yes, yes. And that's why I, and it
0: was just like, I got to take this conversation to the stage. So, Wesley, before we get into all that, get, let them relate to you, dude. Take them back. Tell them what you were doing when other kids were riding bikes. I mean, tell them, take them back and bring them forward to where you are now, Wesley. We, this is your time to relate.
1: Okay, here we go. So I didn't think this was abnormal, but uh, Jason mentioned other kids riding bikes. When I was uh, eight years old, other kids were out riding bikes, playing guns, playing G.I. Joe's. My dad had started a tech company and his favorite person to bounce ideas off, to run with, to teach things was his eight-year-old son. So others were riding bikes. We're working on coding. We're working on programming. He's having me take apart computers, put them back together. So. Eight years old, I thought that was normal. He immersed me right into the world, which was a great thing, a lot of fun, you know, but a, a couple years of, of doing that from eight years, you keep going, you keep going, you keep going, anyone's bound to get uh, fairly burnt out. So by the time dad comes to me and says, hey, Wes, it's time to be, uh, be my succession plan. I'm 23 years old, but I have about 16 years in the workforce. And wow. it was awesome. I mean, I just thought it was a part of, of everybody's life. I didn't think anything was different with my life and theirs. But when he started asking about that succession plan to his tech company, I kind of had to look at my father and be like, you know, not for me. And one of the biggest reasons it, it wasn't for me was my father, Jimmy was so good at what he did. I would always be known as Jimmy's boy. And my dad knows that I love the fight. I love when you get knocked down, it's time to get back up. Like, I I really, really enjoy that stuff. So I I told my dad, you know what? I I don't want to be your succession plan. And we put our heads together and we said, well, what industry could you go into and benefit them with, you know, the skill set of technology? And we both despised insurance. I mean, just, (laughs) just hated it. But we could clearly see insurance had a hole that needed to be filled with technology. So we did what any normal father and son would do. We started an insurance agency and started it in Salt Lake City. And I loved it. It was amazing. I was a little put off and turned off when I would meet with other insurance agents and they would discuss innovation and it would be a paperless agency. I'm like, well, bro, that's like 20 years ago, dude. Like, that's cool. That's not innovation though. That's your client's been asking for that for a long time. Right. You know, that, that's not innovation. But as we set stuff up in Salt Lake City, dude, it just went crazy. Things went really, really well. We grew really, really rapidly. We got a great market share. And a couple years later now, my dad doesn't have ownership in my agencies, but he's my sounding board weekly. We meet together and to have his eyes see some of the problems in the insurance world, solutions were very simple to him. And I came to him three years after we built the Salt Lake office. And I said, Dad, I got to have a bigger stage. I need more population. I need higher density population to really, really make this buzz and make it work. So we looked into New York. We looked into Texas. We looked into Florida. And we landed in Los Angeles. Now, the reason I share this part is because it kind of paints the picture of my insurance knowledge and or lack thereof. All the smart insurance people out there that I love, there's so many of them, they would have taken this agency in Salt Lake City and created a sub-agency in Los Angeles. Well, uh, good old Wes didn't know how to do that. So what did I do? I created another agency in Los Angeles, another tax ID number, new carrier appointments. I mean, there is not parity that exists between my two agencies. and. After I did that giant faux pas, I tried to look for the silver lining and I found some. The silver lining was, dude, I can geek out. I can nerd out on this. Let's A-B split test everything. And so if Utah Salt Lake City Agency is using RingCentral, California is going to use Lightspeed Voice. If Utah Agency has uh, EasyLinks for the AMS, California is going to go with some uh, NOW certs. And so I don't, take my decisions for my agencies and base it on how I feel and certainly not on my insurance knowledge, but rather analytics, wow. data. I mean, and, and, and that's how we ride is if we can prove it through the data and, and through the numbers, we move forward.
0: Yeah. And that's right. And we're going to get to that. Now, what I love about this is, is that I think the loyal listeners are getting it, Wes. And this is what I got at this time was authentic new to the insurance industry. Like our stories out here, Wes, are we knew somebody that was in the insurance industry or our mothers and fathers or family was in the insurance industry, right? That's how we usually get into this. And this is you saying what a lot of insure tech type companies have. That's their story because we get them all the time. Guys call us to say, hey, I'm trying to meet with insurance agents to find out their problems and where we can fix their problems and yada, yada, yada. And we've been getting those for four or five years. But this was you saying, hey, let me jump in here. But what I think that's so great about you, and that's what hooks us, is that you said, yeah, I'm that guy. I'm that tech guy. And that's who I am. But I came over and proved that I could do this differently than the way you guys are doing it. But it's not like you came in to prove anything. You just came in, And that's what I mean, just genuine, like, well, okay, yeah, selling insurance. Okay, yeah, I guess we could do that with some technology. And you went your own way. I would have been so curious if you would have went and worked in another agency for a year, two years, and three years. I wondered if it would have driven you crazy, which it would have, or what if it would have dampened your
1: vision, your creativity for what technology can do. Does that make sense? perfect sense and i think it plays into one of the things that i try to combat day to day as i meet with insurance agents and and that is fear like there is nothing to be afraid of right now in insurance these are great great incredible times Mm -hmm. and uh painting the picture of of the origin of our agencies dude we were three cubicles in the middle of nowhere grinding out insurance like I did go into the game for many years and did it all the service the selling I felt what the agencies feel I've experienced what they go through the difference between what I did and what others do is my answer is always technology and so every pain point that I felt it was like okay let's go back to the drawing board We got to work on some automation sequences. We got to work on making the client experience much more pure and much more simple because clients didn't want to come into my office. They didn't want to look at a stack of a 14-page PDF. Quite frankly, when I watched them, they were going right to page five and looking for the price. And so I had maybe spent, because the carrier told me, you know, 20 minutes on page one and two telling how cool the carrier was, but the client and the prospect. Dude, they wanted to see the price, they wanted the coverages, and they didn't want to meet in person. So it was, it was evolving and learning and leveraging technology as the answer. But I have felt, and I feel, it's not felt, I'm not done, it's not gone. I feel what insurance agents feel. I just have the arrows that I have in my quiver all tech-based. That's what I
0: use to fix things. So let me just tell you the way that I feel about this, Wesley. But, and you're going to disagree and be like, oh man, no, but maybe so. Maybe you'll agree with it. But here's my deal like, where I feel for you is that, like, I get to hang out with you and Nicholas and Preston and Kirk Reisner and all these guys out there that are just awesome. And it's cool for me because I'm not the smartest guy in the room. So like I get to do nothing but project off everything you guys say. I just soak it up and I'm listening and I'm thinking about it. I mean, people don't realize I think about this stuff till 10, 11 o'clock at night. Like my brain doesn't shut down, but when it does shut down, I mean, I'm one of them dudes. I lay my head on the pillow. I'm out. <laughs> Let's see. Side note. No one really cares, but that's just where I went. But I think Wes with, it just has to do with you are one of the smartest guys in the room when it comes to understanding human behavior Improving us who believe that relationship is everything wrong and right. So before, Wes, you go off on your diatribe on this, because I know you're building up for this, here's what I want to say to listeners. This is one thing that, that Wesley said to me Monday that I've, I've said a hundred times to different people, and it makes so much sense. He said, I don't make decisions based on what I think or the way I feel. I make decisions based on what the data says. Wes, did you say that?
1: You bet I said that. And here's the deal, guys. The data is there. And any large company, any company in general right now in this landscape that is is ultra successful and doing well, they know how to leverage data. That's what they're looking at. The idea and the thought that this is the way that I feel, everyone else should feel that. Dude, that goes into... You leading in the dance of the cell, let the consumer lead in the dance. Let them tell you what they want. You can't keep continuing to lead in the dance because they're they're going to step on your toes and they know what they want. And data is there for them. Data is there for us. We need to leverage that data. And because I, I have the luxury, you know, a lot of people tease me and they're like, dude, if you would have known about insurance, you could have cut your costs in half. You could have had a sub agency. You are entirely right, people that say that. You're so right. But because I didn't, I can split test everything. And if I tell you I believe Nowcerts performs better than EasyLinks, that's because I'm looking at the data. That's because I've seen the needle move in the agency when we leverage that specific software. I may love the dashboard of EasyLinks better, but if it's not performing well, if it's not helping my agency get to the next level, I'm Nowcerts all day long, baby.
0: That's right. Now, here's the deal. You're talking about A-B split testing uh, technology, devices, uh, software, hardware, and I like that. But one thing that I think you and I even took it a step further in the conversation we had Monday was, is split testing the idea that the traditional agency is with its built-on relationships, and that's what the consumer wants versus the automated agency, maybe even automated virtual agency. I, in my life, I've come up with I've realized that there's three different types of agencies. But when you start taking away the personal relationship with automation, you can't that you're not gonna be as successful. You're gonna get the price shoppers, you're gonna have the sales or the service issues, and you're not doing a service because you're not giving them advice, you're selling, letting them buy minimum limits, all these little things, right? Where I love it is, is you're basically saying you can feel and think that way, Mr. and Mrs. Traditional Business, and you're not wrong in your perspective and what you're dealing with. But I'm doing it this way over here that you're saying's not working, and I'm Just so you guys know, I'm growing a lot faster. My cost per acquisition of a client is a lot less, which means I can increase my marketing, increase my volume, and I can outsell you by doing just a little turn of the knob where you have to go hire producers and do all this stuff. There's all this goods and bads. But what I like about it, Wes, is you brought it to me to say, Jason, as you thinking traditionally, you're right. And Jason, as you thinking traditionally, you're wrong. And Wes says as well, right? Because Wes thinks this is the best way. I've proven that the other way is good. But Wes, you opened up my eyes and other agents have that your way's right too. Like it works and people want that. And we should be open and accepting of that.
1: I don't know who created the notion within the insurance sphere of this or that. Because this or that does not fly. Let's have some nice. this and that you know like don't be afraid to have your cake and eat it too automation paired with the relationship that is so fundamentally awesome in the eyes of our clients and of the prospects that we're trying to to get market acquisition they love that so why i like automation is dude straight up efficiency i'm a this and that kind of guy and i want the relationship to be there but when i want my teams relationship to intervene within the experience of of, of our clients, I want it to be efficient, I want it to be calculated, and I want it to be very, very proactive. Because if you're just doing things contingent based on your relationship and who you are, you've limited your entity or your business to you. And as cool as you think you are, dude, there's gonna be bigger, there's gonna be better, so you need to spread, you need to scale. Automation allows you to take your awesomeness of who you are, and spread it and scale it. And mm-hmm. from an efficiency standpoint, you know, one of the examples that, that we love to use is directly after anything happens in our agency, we want to validate that action. So people expect you to add their car. That's an expectation that they have. What they don't expect, however, is directly after a car is added. Maybe the automation sequence in our cases is, is 60 minutes after there's a text that goes out that says, Hey, yo, Jason, we saw that you, you worked on your policy today. We saw that things were done there. How do you feel about it? You know, is there anything else that we can do now? What that does, Jason, is it provides you a forum as a client to be a keyboard crusader. And we have got a world that is littered with keyboard crusaders. And what, happens, that. Dude, and what happens is they come back. And two things are bound to happen from that text. Number one, they are going to text back and validate the work that you did. That makes you more sticky. That makes your validation and the efforts that you did to add the car. It's a lot more powerful than that. Number two, which everyone's fearful of, but I love when this happens, they tell you what's wrong. Well, you know what? When I added that car, I was really yeah. thinking it was going to be this amount. And when they get that ability to text, Oh my gosh, they're honest and they tell us what they feel. So we are efficiently engaging with them to fix that problem. But believe it or not, because of automation, it's under 10% that have problems. We have more that say positive things. And as they're writing down these positive things, they're loving our brand more and more. And when I go take that to my staff, again, it's not Wes and how he feels about the staff. Like it's not uh, my gut feeling. I print out that text and I say, Amy, you're so awesome. I love what you're doing here. But so does Jason Cass who got you out of the car. Let's just read what he said. And I'll bring two or three of them and I'll say, thank you. Like they're speaking, they're telling us how they feel. And that's because of automation. And that's because of being effectively and anxiously engaged. So in that example, though, Wesley, in that example, you're deepening two relationships.
0: Inside and outside, you're deepening that relationship with that client to give them that outlet, but you're also deepening that relationship and creating a job owner in your own employee by giving that, by saying, look at that, good job, thank you. And so I think that that's real world. So by that automation, you're actually changing the hearts and minds of two people, but most importantly, you're creating, as I like to say, a job owner in what you're doing. This person is like, wow, I believe in what I'm doing. It has some kind of worth. It has some kind of value. And I think that that's important and we forget that is uh, to build that into our culture today. No,
1: you're spot on. And I also, through leveraging the automation, another thing that ends up happening is, Jason, you, I'll concede to this, I'll concede to this right here, right now. You are better than me at insurance. You have more knowledge than I'll ever gain in insurance. If me and you have a client that needs to get their billing fixed, You go in and you fix it and you add your personality, you add your feng shui, you do your thing. And then they come to me with the exact same problem and I do it my way. Really, the reality of that situation is that the client isn't going to find a a whole lot more value between the two of us in that scenario, in the billing and that personal touch, that that morale or that feel that you want to offer. They just wanted their billing fixed. So when you, Mm -hmm. when you apply automation and you look at these things, you start becoming a more efficient agency. And I don't want my $17, $20 an hour people doing those $10 an hour tasks that really they're so linear that just getting them done, simply doing them well, that's going to go farther than having some CIC certified insurance CSR jump on the call and take care of it. Now that CIC awesome insurance person that you're paying 20 bucks per hour, they can proactively engage if you have efficiencies within your agency that can be found with automation.
0: Okay, bro. So this is like something you and I didn't talk about. Loyal listeners know this, but like, I'm pretty sure, dude, I invented a word. Okay. I'm so excited about this. I've written books. I got podcasts, you know, beautiful wife, kids, great. But I think I invented a word and it's called uh, a proteficient. Okay, If you look it up, you can't find it. It means it's a combination of productive and efficient. And what it means is this, if you're being efficient, that means that you are doing the same, but with less. But when you're being productive, that means you're doing more with the same. So there are two opposite ends of the scale. So what you're saying here is very important. And this is important that you listen to this, loyal listeners, because what he just said echoes what I mean by this. And you hear me say this a lot. Is that he's saying, not only am I being more efficient in the customer experience, but then I'm also freeing up my staff to be more productive, meaning I can now take that person who's making that higher amount of money and using their skills equivocally, I guess you could say, to what we need them to do to grow the agency. So nothing changed, right? We used automation to make us more efficient, which then opened up our staff to make us more productive. And that is what we would call in that equilibrium is where we would call that proto is what I'm saying. So what do you think about the West? Isn't that cool? Yeah.
1: Did you invent a word? Have you ever invented
0: a word? Dude, I,
1: I invented a word that that confused me. <laughs> I was, <laughs> was proto confused. No, I get what you're saying there. And I, here's the deal, Jason. Like automation, don't be fearful. And this is a glaring difference why I think if you look at the economy and you look what sector is just accelerating and growing, and you just take industries, you take the tech sector and you take the insurance sector. Well, technology is leaps and bounds. They're sprinting a race, they're driving the race in a Lamborghini, and insurance is on a bicycle. You know, the race isn't fair. Right. Here's one of the reasons I think why. I think why is because tech guys release what's called an MVP. And I want people to think about this with automation. MVP, minimal viable product. Insurance agents, when we have automation talks, they say, Wes, I'm not a tech guy. Wes, I'm afraid, like I can't do that. Because they're trying to make it perfect, you can automate one part of your agency, walk before you run get a little part, release that MVP, minimal viable product. That's why these tech guys go go. so crazy is they throw something out there. They throw a beta test out there. Dude, everyone knows version one of anything technological sucks. Well, that's okay because version three is right down the pipeline and it's coming before you know it. So same thing with insurance automation, throw out version one, write something that's a huge pain point, write it down, get your your pain point that you're trying to fulfill through automation in place and then chip away at it. But do not get caught in the trap of, I have to have full automation done. I have to have it perfected before I can release this into my agency. No, 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 no. You start off, throw out that MVP, baby. Hello, loyal listeners. Hey, are you a local agent struggling to
0: find markets for your client? Maybe you, maybe not. That's right. And I like that. That's very well said. I love practical stuff. And you're hearing it from a guy who's who's set up way automated. And so he's saying it just, you know, like you said, though, you were doing this and you were understanding these things when other kids were riding bikes. A lot of insurance agents who have always been salespeople, this is something that they're new to. So I think they need to accept and understand that, wow, I'll never be like Wes. Well, you may not be, but you can be pretty damn close. You know what I mean? There's a lot of people who become professional basketball players and they didn't Start until the age of 13, 14, or 15. A lot of them start at the age because they started playing basketball at three and four, but there are a plethora, a slew of them who didn't start until later and they still became professional basketball players. So I think you just got a good, good little dose there of hope and expectations that you should set upon yourself there, loyal listeners. And then also, one thing I wanted to hit back on is you said a couple of things. You know, here's one thing I wanted you to think about, and you said this back before. Let's break down something. You use the word, I like words, and I like definitions, Wesley. You're getting to know the weird side of me, and that's okay. Loyal listeners have been here for 400 and some odd podcasts, but here's the deal. I have, I believe when people say things, it gives us a look in a frame of their mind. And when you throw out words like innovation, you I've heard you say that, or innovate, you also throw out the words transformation. Why I love that about you, Wesley, is people don't use those words when they're talking about insurance. People don't use those words when they're talking about business. People don't use those words when they're talking about their families. They don't talk about those words. And I think it's important to realize that if you do look at the definition of innovate, it just says make changes in something established, especially by introducing new methods, ideas, or products. Okay, so we can see that in the industry, right, Wes? You, we could definitely see that, yes, right? Yes. But look at what the definition of transform is, okay? So transformation, transform. It's to make a thorough and dramatic change in the form, appearance, or the character of. Two totally different meanings, right? like two totally different meanings. So one of the things that Daniel Burris said, and I want to lead into something that he said, but this is not what I originally had planned because you brought this up. I love words. People don't realize when you're talking to me, I'm listening to the words that you're using because that can help me understand your mind. What do they say? Little minds talk about things, medium minds talk about people, and great minds talk about ideas. I pull those ideas and pull those meanings from the words you're using. Wes, I want to get your feedback on this. One thing that Daniel Burris told me in the first podcast we did, he's a futurist. If you need loyal listeners, you need to go back and listen to it. The dude is incredible. He wrote a book called Flashpoint and they wrote many books in the 80s and 90s talking about what 2010, 2015, 2025, 2030 would be. And the dude is like right on. And he believes in hard trends and soft trends to be able to tell the future. So anyways, the point is you got to check him out. One of the things that he was talking about is he said, Jason, here's the difference. Here's what transformation is. He said, when you went from the vinyl record to an eight track, that was a change. And when you went from the eight track to the cassette tape, that was a change. And when you went from the cassette tape to a CD, that was a change in how music was handled and distributed. When it went to iTunes, that was a transformation. So the other was innovation, going from one form to the other. But the transformation is when it made a thorough and dramatic change in the form and the appearance and the character of music. What do you think about that, Wes?
1: I think a a transformation is very eminent within insurance. And I think it's actually based on the behavior of our customers, of the prospects, they will no longer stand for the way that things have been done. They just won't. And as insurance agency owners or insurance agents, wherever you are within the the companies, if you're not adapting and evolving for your client, somebody will. And those right now, in my opinion, that are leveraging technology, running lean, because that's a key right now. That's a data thing. That's not a West fills like it. How many carriers are upping commissions right now that are all lowering it? So, okay, cool carriers, lower commission. I'm going to run more lean. I'm going to run more efficient and I'm going to run a lot more fast. And so yeah. in these transformation times that you discuss, if you're doing a couple of those things, it is going to be, oh, it is a wonderful, wonderful time. But those that put their head down and are fearful, like I always use the analogy of Google. I cannot handle when an agent tells me, yeah, Google tried and they failed." Well, here, listen up, bro. Google doesn't fail. They won't. They have too much data, too much success. And so their little uh, spiff in the industry a while back, that's nothing more than gathering data. And they will come back because there's frozen money, trillions of dollars in insurance that's been frozen. And they're going to get an ice pick and chip away at Ooh. it. You know, and they're. Going to- Ooh. Yeah. Ooh.
0: They're getting the ice pick out and chipping away at the frozen money. Oh, yeah. See, loyal listeners, are you wondering? You're sitting here now. You're like, holy crap. Every time Jason delivers the goods, 37 minutes in. This Wesley guy is incredible. And not only that, you guys got to admit, I mean, we're not trying to hate here, right? Across America, across the world. I mean, I got people in Dubai right now that listen to this, Wesley, Uh, Japan, Australia. And here's what you got to know you've met a lot of people in the world from a lot of different countries. And from the ones you've met in America, you've met a lot from states, but you've never met a cool guy like this guy from Utah. We didn't know that cool people come out of Utah, Wesley. (laughs) We did not know this. I mean, this is incredible. I got off the phone with you and I was like, wow, there's cool people in Utah. No, I'm joking. No, Let me, let, let me hit go. on that really
1: quickly for you. you got, <laughs> okay, you go, you go, got go. Silicon Valley, you know, the most renowned <laughs> tech place in the world. We're not talking about the States. In the world, Silicon Valley is its just incredible. It sleeps, breathes, it permeates technology. But nobody should fall asleep on the Silicon Slopes utah is home utah is home for some tech freaks we nerded out over here i mean aside from from being in polygamy and having horns on our head because of the main religious affiliation that exists here dude we got some nerds like you would never believe and never ever fall asleep on silicon slopes this is the place, baby. <laughs> Silicon <laughs> Silicon <laughs> Slopes. That's hilarious, dude.
0: I'm telling you, I'm not even kidding you. I got a little tear coming out of my eye. That's so funny, man. You lit it up. Hey, that's what I'm talking about. See, that's what I mean, man. We didn't know that Utah had it down like that. We thought it was deserts, uh, a bunch of salt in the lake, and yeah, and and it's a home of uh, the real. I'm, I don't get into that, but yeah, there's there's uh, a <laughs> strong religious faith out there. So that's that's fantastic. I'm down with religious faith. Loyalists know I'm a spiritual guy, and so. That's some of the stuff you know. Wesley was even talking about. Me and him are gonna go to Cuba, dude. To Cuba, Wesley, tell them about like what you did, bro. Like you
1: yeah. traveled. Tell them. Yeah. So, tell them about you. So dad burns me out when I'm eight years old. When I turned 19 years old, people go to college when they turn 19, and I had started college in high school, and it wasn't my thing. And so when I turned 19, I got some money put together. I went and lived with nothing but Hispanics, just those that spoke Spanish. No one spoke English predominantly Cubans, Venezuelans, Puerto Ricans. I lived with these people for two years of my life. I did hurricane relief in Florida. Because I couldn't speak English to them, I had to learn their language. I was living with them. I mean, I wasn't seeing white people at all. And I, I gave two years of my life out there. And, and it, it's probably the most the most aggressive that I've grown as a human happened in those two years. And, and I went out there, we did missionary work, we did hurricane relief. But I mean, some of the sacrifices that, that happened while I was there, I didn't watch, we didn't have TV. I didn't listen to the radio. I mean, all day, every day was service. I didn't call my family. I didn't talk to them except for Mother's Day and Christmas. That was the only time I got wow. on the phone. I wrote them letters. Like I dove into it out there and I paid for it. No one paid for me to go do this. I put the money together. I paid for it. I went out there. And so my love Dude. for Spanish people, I mean, I, I get back like picture this, my traditional white parents love them, love my parents. They pick me up from the airport after these two years and uh, we're driving back to our house. And my dad looks back and he said, you know, they're, who is this new guy? What's going to happen? You know, they're, they're on, you know, right. the, hey. the seat. My dad says, yo, what'd you learn, Wes? And I'm, I'm just going crazy. I look at my dad and I say, dad, I'm racist. And he's like, what, yes. what? And I'm like, towards white people, bro. I'm like, I had so much love showered upon me. I learned so much about brother-to-brother love and and sharing and humility. Like, I hadn't learned that at all from any of my uh, neighborhoods no. or, or, or places that I came. But I said, Dad, yeah, I'm racist towards you. Like, I... <laughs> And I've grown out of that. I don't see white people.
0: No, 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 you don't. But I know where you're coming from, bro. And I I feel you for this. Uh, This is wild. This could fall upon people's ears and they have no idea what you're talking about. But it is true. It's very true. You don't get to see it until you go to the outside and look in, you know?
1: Mm -hmm. That's in like every business endeavor that I, I try to participate in. If I can give back to the Hispanic community, like they gave so much to me in that two years. And it's a passion. It's a love. It's where my heart's at. So everything's kind of aligning lately with going to Cuba with you, with other ventures that we're doing, uh, charity stuff mm-hmm. towards South America. I mean, baby, that, that's where I'm at. I love that. I love, love that.
0: Hey, and I want to let you guys know, I don't do this just to say this. I promise to keep their names, but I have two loyal listeners out there. And every time I'm going to Cuba, they send my church either three or $400, each person does. And it's amazing is is if they're listening to this, they probably have no idea that there's somebody else that does this too, but they send me three or $400 and they just send it directly to my church. They don't send it to me and they'll write in the two box, Jason's trip to Cuba. And what's amazing by that is, is like you don't understand that that doesn't help me. That helps the people because I have my own money to go. I'm going regardless, right? And so I thank those people so much for one of the people I know, the other person I just don't know. But I do know that they've obviously listened on the podcast. And it really means a lot when you get those type of things. And if anybody ever wants to support, I want you to know that if you do send me money for going to Cuba, I use my own money. What I do is I turn around and I give it to the people. And when I mean give it to people, it doesn't mean I necessarily just give it right to the church. I mean, there's people who are on the side of the road trying to give me an ice cream and I give them money and they say, Oh no, 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 no. I'm like, and Wesley, this is this is a true story. The guy is, he's almost making me mad. He wasn't because I'm in Cuba and I'm like totally calm and collective. But I said, he, I, I tried to give him this money and he's like, Oh no, 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 no. And I kind of found out because I'm not going to have this problem when you go with me, Wesley, I didn't have a translator with me and I'm just walking <laughs> through the towns and the middle of nowhere. And the guy, finally, I figure out I gave him too much money. And so like, it was equivalent to the fact that he wanted $1.50 for this snow cone, and I was trying to give him like $500, okay? Like equivalent to their money. And I didn't know that. And I, I'm like, dude. And so, I mean, he refused to take it. But the point is, is I take my money and I go around and buy that stuff. I'll buy hats, you know? I'll pay twice as much money for them just because like they literally made that hat sitting right there, you know? And then I give the hat away to some kids up at the orphanage. You know what I mean? So, so that stuff goes to good work when it does. And, and what touches me is let me know that like, I'll get a call from my church. And they'll say, Hey man, we got another check-in. And it's like, Holy shit. Like who is doing this? Like these are incredible amount of people. So just FYI, if you want to send uh, Wesley some money, we'll be more than happy to give it away from snow counts. Yes. Yeah.
1: Yes, baby. That's right. I love that. I love it.
0: I love it. Love it on people. That's what we do. Love it on people. You wouldn't believe how much it can change the world just by doing that. And, and sometimes people say, well, love it on people's good, but giving money's good too. That's true. But when you're dealing with societies and cultures that don't base their life on money, they want the love. Right, so see, that's you got to get outside America to understand that concept. You really, really, truly do. One of my best things you've said, another also, is get an ice pick out and chip away at all that frozen money. I love that. That is that is some good stuff. Anything else you want to wrap this up, Wesley? With what's 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 going on, and what's it? Let me ask you this real quick. Wrap it up with this because you kind of talked to me about this. Where do you see this industry in, let's say, five, ten, and twenty years? Like. Just give us what you think. You don't know any more than anybody else, but tell us what you think. What's inside your tech head?
1: Okay, well, first, I'm going to back into that question. The, the first thing I would tell you is one of the things that we have to do as insurance agency owners is, and you'll see this in a number of books that are coming out and/or already uh, been put out, is that the cliche of delegate to elevate. You have to do that in an insurance agency. No longer are the days you can open up an agency you have a problem that arises, you put your head down, sell more business, and it's fixed. No, that that doesn't happen anymore. There's too much data. There's too big of a wave that's coming. You now have to think in your head and everything that you're doing is, should I as the owner be doing this task? And if it is a $10 an hour task, you should not be doing it. You should delegate that. And it's not hard to do. It has to happen. So that's number one. Where I think the industry is going to go is tech companies are going to get the red carpet rolled out for them by the carriers. And we have been so loyal as agents, the marketing division of these companies for so many years, and it will hurt everyone's feeling when a tech company comes in and has immediate access to the API and goes through the the front door and the back door, gets the data they need and provides a solution for the consumer. Wow, you didn't say that the other day. That's good stuff right there. This is gonna happen, so prepare. Prepare for that and be okay with that because what you can do, it's not I wanna be a traditional State Farm or I'm gonna go the Geico direct right away. Quit thinking this or that. Think about this and that pull the parts from state farm that are traditional and that are your strength and keep them take the parts from geico that are proven analytics and data showing their market acquisition increases take those parts apply that as well give the consumer the best of both worlds and when the carrier you know gives these tech companies you know the red carpet don't be pissed go at it work your your way utilize technology to the best of your abilities and apply this and that. Give them technology, give them a good experience, but maintain that personal side of things. Maintain that. So that's what I think is is So I'm sorry. Wait a second, Wes. Uh, so
0: all you loyal listeners, you thought you were done. Give me a second cuz Cass is this is how Cass is. He doesn't think all the time. Dude, so like tell people like what you do right now. Like you have your agencies and all that, but because you're an entrepreneur, what is your actual title for where you work right now?
1: So my agencies, I get asked this question a lot. So I I communicate with three to four insurance agency owners every day. I have a decent pulse of what's going on across the nation with the various insurance agencies. And I always get asked, Wes, I can barely run my agency and do anything else. How do you have two going and a plethora of other projects? Well, if you take my day and 100% of my efforts, 5% goes to agency in Los Angeles, 5% goes to the agency in Salt Lake City. I'm still the owner. I'm still anxiously engaged in my agencies. But the 5% that I do is what I love and what I'm passionate about. The rest is delegated to people that are better than me at insurance. You walk into my office here in Salt Lake City and you say, hey, I need an insurance quote. If I'm standing out in the foyer, I will direct you to multiple people that are better than me at insurance. And they'll do a great job and take care of the individual. 90% of my efforts are, I'm currently the the CTO, and that's just nothing more than the nerd, the head nerd of Agent CVA. And I'm applying the things that we discussed. Agent CVA is littered and filled with a delegation model for insurance agencies to help them efficiently delegate tasks, be cost-effective as they do it, leverage our technologies because we've already done that part for a lot of the agencies. And again, 90% of my thoughts, efforts go there because I feel like I can make a bigger impact on the industry as a whole in that position than I could if I focused more efforts on my two agencies. Now, I'm not going to get rid of my two agencies, but it could because it keeps me in the know of the pain points of the feelings of an insurance agent. But I am all the way dialed in with the agency VA stuff, and that's that's my passion, and it aligns with what you said about Cuban stuff because a portion of what we do goes back to people from Colombia, goes back Love to people that. in Puerto Rico, and I get to head that up. And so dude. I have myself a purpose beyond insurance, beyond you know things of that nature. So yeah, I'm happy right now, dude. I, I haven't. I was actually staring down the barrel of selling both my agencies because I was getting. Fairly depressed about where the industry was headed. As I got this new passion this year, I mean, this is very new for me, but as mm-hmm. I have it and have had it, I know I'm here to stay in insurance. I'm going to keep these agencies, I'm going to keep plugging away at agency VA. That's where my heart's at,
0: baby. That's what's going on right now. It's too fun, dude. It's too much. I mean, there's too much. If you want to be an agency owner, it's going to be tough for you. If you want to be a business owner, it's never a better time. And if you want to be an an entrepreneur, it's endless. And, And I can hear it in your voice. But I also want to let you guys know, guys, that as I use MarbleBox 80 plus hours a week, I have always said, sometimes this has come to the top of my mind. A lot of times I've realized that I've thought of this subconsciously. There's things that I need done that box can't do. There's actually a lot of things that Marblebox can't do. And it has to be more forward facing, calling the client, collecting information, doing different types of stuff like that. And so I want you to know that you may say like, oh, well, yeah, that's easy if you hire an American. It is. But Americans you know, still, they require a lot of money in order to do jobs that they may not be qualified for. We've always said this, this has nothing to do with hired people in America, outside of America or anything. It has to do with giving people the quality of work that they want and they enjoy. And if I, somebody have somebody who's a master's degree and I try to put them in data processing, it's not going to work. Not only that, I can't afford them, but they're going to go crazy. There's people out there that are spe- set for a specific job. It's you know, We have the same thing with immigration and picking fruit. Uh, that's just so retarded. I don't think a lot of it's true, but the fact is there's people who like doing that and are willing to do it for a certain amount of pay and they think that's fine. That may not be fine to you, but it's fine to them. And so, and it's meaningful work. And so we decided upon talking with Wes about some of the people that they offer, we were delightfully surprised because we realized that there's a lot of tasks and I'm talking hours upon hours of work that we can get a VA to do that they're not necessarily going to be able to do with Marblebox. Let me give you an example, being my personal assistant, going through my email, following along the process behind the scenes and actually communicating with my CSRs and my in-house producer. To make sure and going behind and making sure those things are done. And okay, a piece of information got forgot, could asked at the issuance time instead of Sarah trying to track them down and putting everything on hold, just putting it on them. Being able to follow task reports behind the scenes and actually working with the staff say, how can I proactively coming to them and how can I help you with this rather than reactively we having to send them to Marble Box? Are we going to still continue to use Marble Box? You're damn right. There's just some stuff that I just think Marvel Box does an awesome. And until I'm proven differently, I just just absolutely love them. Besides the fact, I believe in Ani Potter and his mission for the industry. But I've also realized and being truthful that there are jobs that they can't do. A lot of them they can't do. And uh, I'm really looking forward to it. Why don't I have my VA right now? Because they have to go through this thing. What's this uh, university or whatever they have to go through, Wes? So it's called Agency it
1: VA University, and it's to get them qualified to jump into your agency. And I, I share and echo the thoughts of, of the success of Ani and his vision and what Box can do. Being the tech guy that I am, I immediately viewed that as version one, and I needed to get to version 18. And so <laughs> what, what, I, <laughs> what I wanted, I wanted all my inbound calls to be answered by a virtual assistant. I wanted all my quoting to happen by a virtual assistant. I wanted my outbound calls, gathering of data to happen by a virtual assistant. I mean, so I I wanted them more client facing. And so utilizing technology and utilizing the workforce in Colombia, in Puerto Rico, we can have the best of all worlds further. We can get them licensed and they're grateful for the tasks that you present in front of them. If you, Jason, if you take your business or your agency and you use the vision of a ladder, and each rung of the ladder represents a task that needs to be completed. If we take the bottom two rungs of the ladder, and we'll just use the example of answering inbound calls and data input, okay, those are the two bottom rungs of the ladder. You better believe you can hire an American to do that, but the American, and I love this, I am pro-America, The American is going to say, now, Jason, I'll do these. I'm going to do these for a season, maybe two months, maybe a month. And I'm going to climb up this ladder as quick as I can. And as I climb, Jason, you need to pay me accordingly. Mm -hmm. Great. Beautiful. But that didn't negate the fact that the bottom two rungs of the ladder still need to be serviced. What the VAs do and what I love is, you know, for every one VA we're hiring, we're interviewing about 130 and by the time they get here and they get this job and they go through agency CBA University, dude, they have degrees. They've been 14, 15 years wow. working in this type of, of industry. And so you have the cream of the crop from their country doing these tasks in your agency that other people want to climb up. And it's really cool because all of a sudden that entitlement or maybe that I'm too good for these tasks, these bottom rung of the ladder tasks. All of a sudden you've got this guy from Puerto Rico that's licensed that's saying, I'm not, not only am I not too good, I'm going to like outperform everybody. I'm going to run hard. I'm going to run fast and gratitude replaces entitlement very, very quickly.
0: That's right. And it's awesome. It is. And here's, here's the thing I want to close with here with you loyal listeners is the, here's the thing that I I want. Everybody doesn't like change, right? We don't like change, whatever. You know, Wesley, you heard Annie Potter say it. the only people that like change is a five-month-old baby who has a wet diaper. right? <laughs> There's the only type of change, right? Whether that's true or not. But here's what I' found out. Really, loyal listeners, you've never heard me say this because the last couple weeks. It's not so much the change. it's the response. Sarah. In my office, Sarah Nicholas, she's the one who pointed this out as we're developing my keynote for IOA. I'm telling you guys, it's going to be the best keynote you've ever seen. you got to go there and you got to check out this keynote I'm going to do. And when I'm talking about the great separator and I'm talking to her about this, that's what she says to me, Wesley. She says, it's not so much the change, Jason, it's the response to it. Okay. So I've been talking about digital Darwinism for a while, and I don't want to go on about this right now. No, I can't go on about this right now, guys, because it will be here for another hour, and Wesley's got – I mean, he is a CTO, right? I do own agencies. i, I We do have to work. So um, anyways, I want to talk about that because it's really crazy when you start to break down, Wesley, in your head. It's not so much the change, it's the response to the change. Just because you need to change, this is what Sarah said, the agents need to know that just because they need to change – doesn't mean they need to change everything and it doesn't mean that they especially don't need to change everything now and that goes back to what you were saying what'd you call it minimum viable product it, it wasn't that?
1: mvp
0: mvp yeah and it, it was and it's don't freak out about that it was talked about with digital darwinism and how you can how you literally can become extinct by not doing it and and the way that I, that she threw it out to me was that an elephant You know, as an elephant became an elephant a long time ago, it realized that as it got bigger, right, we're totally inventing this, but this is just my thought, is that as it got bigger, it realized its nose needed to get longer, right, to get something out of, or it was going to die of thirst because it couldn't get to the water. And so that kind of happened. Well, that was a transformation of the elephant. But Just because the nose grew didn't mean the feet grew and the back did this and all that did that. And that's our agency, right? We don't necessarily just have to change everything. We just have to be okay and be responsive to what is the change that I need to do in order to adapt. It's not so much worrying about what Jason's doing or what Wesley's doing. It's taking our ideas, but it's what is the response to the change, not the change, what is the response to the change? And I just told Sarah, I said, that's why I pay you all the money I do because that's genius. And here's the thing. She's not in the insurance industry. She has a different perspective. Wes, before four or five years ago, you weren't in the insurance industry. You, you come with a different perspective. People don't realize that if the insurance industry is a pond of water, people like you and people like Sarah are the new fresh water that's coming in. And it's okay to admit that there's bad water that's got to go out. That's what makes a healthy ecosystem. And that's what's going to create us onward and upward. Wes, I'll close it up with this. I know for a fact that leaders are readers. And I know for a fact that readers, they lead. What are you reading? Where do you get your information from?
1: Right now, current book that I'm going through, just dissecting on my Third time reading it in the past, maybe two weeks, is traction.
0: Traction.
1: I am in love with it. The G boys, we've been. I've been doing a project with them with Agent CBA, and they have. They say a lot of things, and I wasn't comprehending it. And they said read traction. So as soon as I read traction, now I was able to communicate with them much more effectively. But yeah, I, I highly advise that any insurance agent needs to read that book. It is so wonderful.
0: Fantastic. That's, I like that, dude. I like that. So I just got digital Darwinism. So the actual book, and I'm breaking it open. I'm about four pages in, and I'm mind blown. I'm serious. I was so mind blown. Like I had to set it down after. I think I'm like seven pages in, but I literally had to set it down just so I could sit there and look out at the lake and just think about what I was comprehending. So it's good stuff as well. Wesley, your time has been valuable. Our relationship is only going to continue to sprout. Also, if you're loyal listeners out there, keep in mind if you're coming to IAOA, which is one of the best events. Remember, there's only two great events. Used to be three with Elevate, but I don't know how that's going to be now that Hanley's gone. But I know Nicholas Ayers and Dave Jackson run a hell of an organization over there at AOAO. Uh, have such much respect for those, th- those dudes. And I think they do us too. And we have AI Brainshare, which we're totally transforming. But it, coming in January, if you're coming to IAO, I, I want to let you know that it is on a Friday and Saturday. There's a pre-conference on Thursday. But on the Wednesday before the pre-conference, I'm going to be there. Right now, we got about 30, 35 agents. We're just getting a room, running power blocks to each one of the tables, we got a projection screen, or projector in case we need it. Got some water and some snacks. Everybody's on their own for meals and got some coffee. And what we're going to do is we're going to get in there and we're going to have this active campaign study hall. Wes, are you going to come? Are you going to try to come or are you not going to be able to make it? You know?
1: So I'm speaking at that IAOA conference as well. So I, I got to show up. And uh, yeah, dude, I'd love to come and I'm more than happy to to share what I believe in active campaign, sure.
0: I was talking with Daniel Die, and he was at Brain Share. I think he sat at your table. I think maybe not, but anyways, yeah, I did. I think he sat at your table. And Daniel Die, Vegas, there. yeah, from Vegas, okay. right? Oh, yeah, yeah. genius, bro, genius. He gets a, uh, like you and i pressing do a lot more than people like me do. He dude gets it. He said to me, he said, Cass, you know, Matthias was sitting next to me, and he said, Matthias are in this same automation group. And he was like, during breaks, he's like, Matthias and I wanted to just break out our computer and not really associate with anybody else, even though we like everybody. We just, cause like, this is our first time we're together. Like we're going to break out our computers and just start like going to town, right? Like, let's start working on these automations. And I was like, that's genius. I was like, that's what we're going to do. And then I thought, oh, IOA is coming. So I called and I want to let you guys know if you've never put on a conference, it is so expensive. It's ridiculous. They're charging us. They want to charge us $180 for a gallon of coffee, $180 for a gallon. I want to let you guys know that a gallon is roughly around 12, 14 cups. Okay. I drink that myself. All right. And so, and people say, well, that's why you're so hyper. No, my body produces caffeine while I sleep. And so, so that, I, that right there, just to have snacks is like $700. They told me just to have the projector was $1,100, Wes. You know, what I said to them? I said, can I bring in my own projector? They said, no. I'm like, are you freaking serious? And, and do I even have a projector? No, but I was going to go to the chamber and borrow one or something. So it's ridiculous. I'm trying to narrow them down on the price. But if you want to come to that, just let me know. Hit me at Uh If you're probably an IOAO, you can search for study hall in the little search thing. You'll see we're already having a bunch of people jump in. And I, I think I'm just looking forward to it. We just want to break even, pay the cost, be able to have a room to enjoy ourselves with. And then I was thinking to myself, I almost had this whole thing done, Wes. And the lady says to me, she says, okay, so I just got a question. I said, yeah. She said, you guys are all going to have your laptops open. There's really no agenda. It's just, let's just go at it. You know, let's just all create what we've been wanting to create. And I said, yeah. She said, how many laptops do you think are going to be there? I was like, shit, if there's 30, 35 people, there's going to be 30, 35 laptops. She said, you know, we only do have four plugins in the whole room. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, oh my God, I've never had one of these. So I've never had to think of that. So yeah, we're having to have plugs ran to each of the tables. to just run the block to the table. I'm not joking. And I got nine tables, dude. Just to run electricity there, it's like overnight, it's almost three grand. I'm like, oh my gosh, are we in America or what? I mean, you could live in Cuba on $3,000 for 10 years. (laughs) You know what I mean? I was just like, it's crazy. Anyways, man, we'll get off this. Wes, greatly appreciate it, man. Thanks for coming on here. Uh, Really do appreciate it. And uh, I think uh, the, uh, the industry knows and the loyal listeners know they're gonna hear a lot more from you. I appreciate your leadership and what you're doing, being able to break through the wall and get bloody so that all of us could just come through it and
1: act like it was always there.
0: We appreciate it, Wesley.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me. And if if there's anyone that I can help, Facebook message me. I really, I'm being truthful here. I will help you free of charge. It's my passion. I love it. So message me, um, get you on the calendar. Love to help. Um, Excited, dude.
0: Yeah, I am too. I'm so excited. And I'm excited that there's people like you in this industry. And the reason why is because I love you. You're going to help push us forward. And that's why we gave you this platform, because this is agency intelligence. This is real intelligence. This is stuff that you can use in your agency. This is not artificial. This isn't, well, I've seen another agent do this. This is Anderson telling you, this is what I do. This is who I am. These are what the other agents are doing in the other hangouts like that you and I have. This is Agency Intelligence Podcast. This has been your host, Jason Cass, and I am out. Hey, agents, listen to this. Listen to this. What are we terrible at? Think of it. Think of it.